Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. All right, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18, and I have a few things I want to talk to you about out of Matthew 18. The text tonight really is Matthew 18, the whole chapter. We're going to steal just a couple of verses here and there out of it, but um, I'm trying to wrap up tonight. This will be the last of the sermon series on forgiveness, and I want to accomplish a couple of things tonight. One is I've got a few points I want to make that kind of fits into the cracks of some of the things that we were talking about. Uh, That's the first thing. And the second thing is, I want to make sure you have an opportunity. Um, Y'all haven't necessarily been as comfortable asking questions or posing thoughts, but I at least want to open the floor a little bit for that. We're going to try to narrow it in on forgiveness. We ain't going to talk about politics or, uh, you know, whatever else, whatever else. We're not interested in all that stuff right now. We're just going to keep on forgiveness. But I'm, I'm imagining and maybe hoping that there might be some, uh, some things that we've not addressed, or maybe we have, and you just weren't 100% clear on, or maybe you want to even think through. Maybe you're working on a situation yourself, and you might want to think through. And we're, again, we're not trying to solve all your problems right here at this moment, because I know that some of your issues are probably much more complicated than that, but maybe we can help each other. And don't assume I have the answer. There might be somebody else in this congregation that has the answer, and I'm fine with that. But I want to make sure that we have at least a little bit of time uh, before we go out of here. If you've got questions, conversations you'd like to have. And then I'll say this final thing. If there are some of you that just aren't comfortable in this setting where we're in front of everybody and my voice is booming in your ears and you don't want to have that conversation like that, and I understand that some of these are sensitive conversations, uh, Please, let's talk about them. I don't, feel like you, I don't want you to feel like you can't at least approach me with it. Again, maybe I can't solve it. Maybe there's someone else we need to consult with. I will tell you, no matter, what, no matter how you bring that issue to me, we will consult the scriptures on the matter, and we will see what the Bible has to say about it, and then if we need to bring other people into the conversation, we will. I just want you to know that I at least acknowledge that the topic of forgiveness is not a simple one, two, three, repeat after me, and oh, we're good. That's not how this works. It's hard. It's difficult. It causes people to cry, and for real good reason. And I do think that this is not something any of you should have to walk this road alone. So I want you to know, as much as I'm going to talk to you about some things tonight, I hope I give you some answers. We're going to try to talk together as a group, but then ultimately, if you need help, please get that help. You gotta get it here. These people. That's if if we can't help you with this stuff, what good are we? What good are we? We need to be able to help you with this kind of thing. So we're just going to uh, look at the scripture for a few minutes on a couple of different topics here. This is a little bit wide ranging, but hitting on a couple of things that I feel like kind of hitting the cracks. I think the best way to start this is just to ask the Lord to help us, and then I want to dig right in. So let's pray real quick. Lord, I need your help. We're about to get to work on something, but we can't do this work on our own. We need your Holy Spirit to join with me, to overwhelm me so that I'm not saying what I want or my opinions, but I'm saying exactly what your scripture says. We need your Holy Spirit to to meet with the people that are here. 
as they're hearing these words, as they're thinking about this, as they're applying it to their own circumstances and situations, please help them to see your truth, not their feelings, as much as their feelings absolutely are important. They need to know your truth and help us to be Christ-centered and Bible-focused as we try to answer these questions. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title that I would give tonight is, Are You Really Ready to Forgive? We've been talking for, I don't remember how many weeks now, it's probably been seven, eight weeks, something like that, on forgiveness, the topic of forgiveness. I called it Jesus' Theology of Forgiveness. We've been talking about it for a while, and at some point, you've got to stop talking about it and go do it. That's, what, that's where we are. So, are you ready? Well, there's three signs that I want to give you, very briefly, that suggest you might be ready to forgive. Three signs. The first sign, we're going to see, if you go, to, go with me in chapter 18, verse 22, you'll see it here, when Jesus says to Peter that you're not just supposed to forgive your brother in verse 21, seven times, but verse 22 he says, Jesus saith unto him, I say unto thee, not un until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And we talked about that as we went to that part of the, the, the chapter where he said, you're not just forgiving a certain number of times, you're forgiving essentially forever and ever and ever. That's the intent of that, that phrase that he uses. So the first sign that you're ready to forgive somebody is when you're saying, I'll do it as many times as it takes. Because as much as I might forgive you of something, it's, we better, better chalk it up, you're going to probably hurt me again. Maybe even the exact same way. You may offend me in exactly the same way. So until and unless I'm ready, not just to forgive you for that one time, but forgive you over and over and over and over. There's, not, there's no real forgiveness that's there. They're going, even if they do it again, even if they never stop doing it the first time, I need to be prepared to forgive. So the first sign that I'm ready to forgive is I'm willing to do it as many times as it takes. Now, did I tell you that forgiveness was easy? If I did, I lied to you because it's not easy. What I just said is probably the hardest thing in the world, but that's what Jesus says forgiveness really looks like. It's not a certain number of times, it's unending. Go to verse 27, and you'll look at that, that parable that we've talked about a few times, and there's that Lord of the servant, as he's made demands of his servant, but his servant asks for forgiveness, asks for a little more time, and look what, his, look what the Lord says. He says, he was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. So according to this, that Lord has no longer going to hold that debt against that man. That doesn't mean that the debt did not, was not incur, incurred. It doesn't mean that somebody wasn't going to have to pay the debt. The Lord was going to have to absor absorb that. It was, going to be, it was coming out of his paycheck. He was going to have to pay for this, but he's not holding that other person accountable. On the other hand, that servant, many he walks out of the master's uh, uh, chambers there. Look what happens in the next verse, in verse 28. The same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat and saying, pay me that thou owest. You've got here on the one hand a master who says, I'm not going to hold you accountable for that debt. It is no longer going to have to be paid versus the servant who says, I don't care what I've been forgiven, you still owe me, I'm demanding payment. So there's a second sign that you're ready to forgive when you stop demanding payment for what happened to you. 
when you stop demanding payment. We have to reflect the master. What, can I just go ahead and put the real words in here? What Jesus did for you in forgiving you of your wrong against him, you have to reflect him, not in this case the servant's forgiveness. What did the servant do? He's forgiven and then he goes out and chokes a fellow to get the money that he's owed. We're not reflecting him, we're reflecting the, the master, not the servant. We have to stop seeking repayment. You have to, let me put it to you this way, there are certain things that people may have done to you that, let's just be honest, they'll never be able to pay it back. Honestly. That it was so harsh and so wrong and went over the line so far that even if they wanted to, they could never pay it back. By the way, that's where you were before a righteous and holy God. You could never pay back what you owe to God. But what does God do in that case? He just wipes the slate clean. He says, listen, I'm not going to re demand repayment. I'm going to release you of your debt. When you get to the point where you stop seeking them to pay back, you stop holding it against them, you stop trying to extract every bit of payment back from them you can Essentially, whether it's actually getting a hold of them or more emotionally getting a hold of them, but somehow choking them, saying, you owe me, until you get to that point where you're not doing that any longer, you're not ready to forgive. But when you get there, when you say, I'm ready to forgive, you're going to release them of the debt, and you're going to even release yourself of the debt. Can I, can I go ahead and tell you that? You're going to have to get to the place where you're just going to have to say, and, and, and I, I, I will say one more time, this is not easy, this is not easy, this is not easy. But you're going to have to, by the grace of God, take that thing that has harmed you and hurt you and say, Lord, 1 Peter 5, 7, I'm throwing this on you. You're going to have to take the debt for me. I can't hold it anymore. If you've ever had that kind of bitterness against someone, maybe some of you are carrying it around even now, you know it's hard, it's painful, it hurts, and it just eats you alive. You're going to have to no longer hold it against them, and you're going to have to release yourself of ever having the opportunity to get that back. So when you're ready to forgive, you're going to do it as many times as it takes. Second of all, you'll stop demanding repayment. And then I want you to go down to verse 33 and see what the master said to his servant. He says, He's, he's upset with him in verse 32. He said, I forgave you. Verse 33, he says, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? You've got to see that person that has done something wrong to you as needing, I didn't say worthy, I'm saying needing, love, grace, and mercy. That's how God saw you, is as one who needed love, grace, and mercy. And when you get to the point where you see them as much as you can, and I know we're weak and we're human and we're flawed and failing, I'm going to say that real fast, I know that's who we are, and Jesus was perfect, so I know that there's not a perfect analogy here, but the, the closest you can get to seeing them through the eyes of Christ and see them as somebody who needs love, who needs forgiveness, who needs mercy, the closer you can see them there, the more likely you're going to treat them the way Jesus did, and you're going to be able to forgive them. Until you see them as in need of that love, grace, and mercy, they're always going to be the bad guys, the evil person, the person that needs not love, grace, and mercy, but destruction, needs punishment, needs 
somebody to be angry at them. You see, if, that, if I'm looking at you as the bad guy, I'm not showing you love, grace, and mercy. But if I'm looking at you as the one that Jesus died for, I'm trying to not give you my love, grace, and mercy because I ain't got any. <laughs> I'm going to give you Jesus' love, grace, and mercy because he's given me more than enough. So three signs that you're ready to forgive is you're going to do it as many times as it takes. You're going to stop demanding payment. And you're going to see them as people who need love, grace, and mercy. I told you that I don't have a real steady flow to this. I've got a couple of cracks that I'm trying to fill in with forgiveness. So let me give you another topic. I'm jumping to a different topic altogether. Are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? Got a couple of nods. Got an amen or two. That's good. Good. You're on board. Good. Like to hear that. All right. So second topic. One of the things, and if I can, just full disclosure, me and my wife actually had this conversation. And she was right in bringing this up to me. So I had a, we had a little, I don't want to say a debate because I was on her side, but we were talking it through and it helped me sort of think about some things that I think some of y'all might be thinking about. So I'm going to bring it up to you. What about someone who's really done some damage to me? And if I forgive them, am I okay just letting them keep doing that bad thing, hurting somebody? Maybe they've done something. And some examples that might come to mind, maybe they were abusive, maybe it was an abusive spouse someone maybe that maybe uh, molested a young child or has some other way done some terrible thing, right? Something that, that I don't want to say it's unforgivable, but in our minds it's unforgivable, you understand? But they're doing something harsh and hurting and, and, and pain, causing more pain. And I can sit here and say all day long, well, I forgive them. Well, <laughs> but they're still doing it. What do I do then? I can forgive them. Or, or if I forgive them and I let down my barriers, they may still do that to me. What do, what do I do in those situations? Well, I want to say first, before I go any further, and I'm going to go a little bit further, but I want to say first, we need to understand if you're a Christian, forgiveness, which is ultimately releasing the debt, important phrase, releasing the debt, is a requirement for those who have been forgiven. That's never an option. Not, not according to Jesus. You go to verse, was it verse 35? He says, and likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. And he's talking about punishment for this man who was unforgiving. If ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother, his, their trespasses. So I believe that there is a biblical requirement for you and I, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven much. It is required that we release the debt. But... Beyond that, there are some things that we have some options on all sorts of situations. Let me give you three. It seems to be my number, three. We'll give you three. The first option you have if someone does you wrong is you can overlook the sin. Somebody does something wrong against you, and that depends on what it is. I mean, again, some of those more harsh things I was describing, I don't know that I could overlook that, you understand. But you said something I didn't like, you looked at me in a way I didn't like. You did something I didn't care for. Maybe you even, maybe you even did something a little more, more strong. Maybe I felt like you lied to me about something. But I may have that option of saying, you know, I'm going to think better of my brother. I'm not going to deal. I'm not going to address it. I'm going to overlook it. Do you understand? That can happen. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's something very strong about that in some situations just to say, I know that what he or she did is wrong, and it did hurt me, but I'm going to overlook it. I'm not going to hold it against them. I'm going to release them of the debt. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to let it go. That's certainly an option. But sometimes you can't let it go. Am I right? 
sometimes you can't let it go, not just because you're embittered, but because what they did is really, really wrong. And I think sometimes we are, sometimes here, because we're nice people, we're church people, sometimes we kind of look the other way when we ought not look the other way. So we got to be careful. There's a, there's a fine line here. We can overlook sin sometimes in our brothers whenever it's a small slight, but sometimes we need to address that sin. So when we can't let it go, when it bothers us, or when there's real harm being done, as I was trying to describe before, somebody is getting hurt. We're not going to look the other way as somebody's being abused. At least I hope we are not. We're going to address that. We're going to get on that. We're going to deal with that. We're going to handle that. We're not going to turn the other way. So what do we do in that situation? Well, there's an outline here. We won't go over the whole thing, but in verse 15, going down to about verse 20, what we call church discipline, but it is the concept of we're going to confront that sin. We're not going to turn the blind eye. They have sinned against us. We're going to go tell them. We're going to go tell them, listen, there's a problem here. We're going to address it. We're going to address it by the means that are necessary. I want to be very, very clear here. If we're talking about laws that have been broken, we're going to address it with law enforcement if that needs to be done. If there are things that it's just things that, that are sin, biblical principles, and I say just as if that's lower, it's not, but we're going to deal with them according to the Scripture. But the point is we're going to deal with those things in the right and proper way according to the right and proper thing. But our goal, if you go to verse 15, go, go with me to there, verse 15. It says, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. That word trespass, you could put the word sin in there. That's what he means there. You, you could say that you're, he's sinning against you. He has trespassed against thee. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. Now, don't get too hung up on going to him and her, you and him alone, because there's a whole process, if you'll remember. You bring other people in and all that. But the point I want to focus you in on is the goal. Thou hast gained thy brother. The, the perfect goal is to get them to stop doing the wrong, to, to face the music, as it were, for what they're doing, to deal with the situation, shut it down, and to repent of that sin. And then, if they are truly your brother, they're going to do the right thing. I hope that's the outcome. That's what we want. But don't miss, there is also a secondary goal, which is almost as important, and that is protection. If you go back to the early part of chapter 18, Jesus is talking about protecting his little ones. He says it's better for a man to go put a millstone, a big old block around his neck and jump in the middle of the ocean than to hurt one of his little, little ones. So yes, we want reconciliation. Yes, we want repentance. But repentance is not forgiveness without strings. If I do something wrong, can, can I just give you a very extreme example? I'm the pastor of this church, and I think that the, as the pastor, there are certain as, uh, expectations of behavior and attitude and approach and act, actions that you should expect of me as a pastor. I'm saying this, if I'm telling you this and you're surprised by that, you need to go talk to one of your deacons so you know exactly what you should be expecting of your pastor. But you should know that if, you, if it comes out, comes to light, well, Matthew Tilly has been involved in some relationship outside of his marriage. I've disqualified myself as a pastor. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to come and love me. I hope you do. You should try to come and love me. You should try to come and reconcile with me. That doesn't mean that I'm going to immediately get installed back as the pastor. You, you see, there's some strings involved with that. That's what repentance is involved in that, that I recognize that my sin was so great and so egregious that it has offended the, the, circumstance, the, 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 uh, the position, the circumstances offended the position, and I'm no longer qualified for that. And that's an extreme example, but that applies to almost anything we're talking about. 
if I'm abusive towards my spouse or some other thing that has long-term damage, I have some accountability beyond just, oh, we're done. Are y'all with me on that? You got it. Somebody's got to understand that that is the case. You can't simply just like, whoop, you said you're sorry. Oh, well, okay, we're done now. We're not that naive. At least we shouldn't be. Because if there's real damage being done, now sometimes we can say, okay, you said you're sorry, we'll just go on. But if there are people that are being hurt, oh my goodness, let's make sure that we're putting the protections in place. So the secondary point is, as Jesus said, we want to make sure all of God's little ones are protected of course, sometimes the damage is too great. The opportunity to be hurt again and again and again is too big. We don't want to take this circumstance, or excuse me, can't get my words out. We don't want to take this situation in this direction, but if we have to, we will. We certainly can overlook the sin sometimes. Sometimes we're going to confront the sin, and that's going to be right. But sometimes you may have to remove yourself from a bad situation. I hope that you have enough sense and I hope this church has enough love for you that if you find yourself in that situation, we'll do everything we can to protect you, but ultimately be supportive of you if you feel like you need to remove yourself from a situation. Am I making myself clear to you? That if there's someone in this church that is causing you harm, I hope we have the guts to deal with it, first of all, if they're truly causing you harm. Second of all, if, it will, if there is no way you can, and as much as you try to make things right and reconcile, and it's for your health and benefit to remove yourself from this congregation. Again, I hope we've dealt with it so that that's not a, has, to be a, has to be a situation, but you have to do what is right for you and your family. And if that's where you, that is absolutely an option. Whether we're talking about a church or even a job situation or a family situation, sometimes you just have to say, you know, I forgive them, not holding it against them, but I'm not going there right now. I'm not going to put myself in that position. And I think that is perfectly legitimate and right, and that doesn't mean you're not forgiving. That just means you're trying to protect yourself or whoever else that's being harmed. You're trying to protect. And that is not to say that you're not releasing them of their debt. In fact, depending on exactly what is going on, you might be doing the most loving thing possible. We're talking about God's... or. or Jesus' sheep here, his little ones. And I think Jesus knows his sheep, and sometimes his sheep bite each other. And we've got to watch out when they bite each other. We might need to separate them a little bit. And I think that's just wise. But the shepherd, it goes to any means necessary to protect his little ones. He goes to great lengths just to protect one. If you go to verse 12, you'll see he leaves 99 behind and goes for the 12, or excuse me, for the one. He wants none of his sheep to perish. So I think that means if we have to, if you have to, for, for your health, and of course, again, I hope you are surrounded by people who love you as part of your church and are there supporting you in this process. Is hopefully you're not abandoned. I've seen it. Fortunately, I've seen it from afar. I've not seen it up close, but I've seen and heard about it too many times where people like that get pushed away when they ought to be brought near and loved. So I hope that we will be as a church when that happens that we're gathering around that little one who's being harmed and do everything we can to protect them. I hope I'm not talking in code here. I hope y'all are with me on what I'm saying. Are you understanding me? Okay, and if you're not, this is a good time to say, help me. 
Help me, because I want you to know. I'm, I'm trying not to be too specific, because I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. I'm not trying to dredge up old specific situations for some of y'all. It's not my goal here, but I'm trying to get you to see we want to protect every individual child of God. And that means sometimes you're going to just have to take a wrong and say, he ought not do that, but that's just how he is, and I'm going to overlook it, and I'm going to pray for him. And that's okay in some situations. Sometimes we're going to say, nope, I can't let that one go. We've got to go deal with that. And we're going to confront it according to the Scripture. And then sometimes we've done that, we've done what we can, and the situation continues to go on, and you, as much as lies within you, you're forgiving. But you're just going to have to back away from that situation. And sometimes your families can be like this. I know that's how a lot of this times it shows up. I just can't go there when that person's there. I understand how that is. As long as the reason that's going on is you're trying to protect, not because you're so hateful towards them, that you're the one starting the fight. <laughs> you understand? That sometimes can be the case. But you're actually trying to protect yourself and you're trying to protect your family. If that's the case, that's, as, as long as you've released the debt, that's correct and that's right. All right. Last one, and then we'll just do a little back and forth on this if we can. What if they don't ask for my forgiveness? I think, Mary, you and I were talking about this one. We were talking about this. Sometimes people don't ask you for forgiveness. Or, or maybe you do forgive them, but they somehow push that back at you. I don't want your forgiveness. I don't need your forgiveness. You ever had that happen to you? Um, I want you to understand that your forgiveness has to, is intended to reflect and find its power in the forgiveness that Christ has given you. Make sure that's, that's the center of this. This is not about how wonderful and magnanimous you are. This has nothing to do with it. Some of y'all are naturally a little more forgiving than others. And by the way, the ones that aren't so forgiving say, you're just a pushover. That's what they say. And of course, the other ones of you that are, that are, that are real forgiving, you say, well, you're just, you're just, you're just hard-hearted. It doesn't matter how magnanimous or how much of a pushover or how hard-hearted you are. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. You're in Jesus Christ. You have a different kind of heart. Your heart should be driven by the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. You're looking at what he did and not reacting according to your personality, but instead reacting toward what he did. Think about the love of Jesus, what he did for you. John 3.16. Y'all know this verse, right? I hope y'all know John 3.16. He forgave us out of love. For God so loved the world. 1 John 2, 2 might not be as familiar, but when he died for the sins, he died for my sins, but he died for the sins of the whole world. As much as we don't like to think about it or talk about it too much, as much as Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, there will be people who will die in their sins and will spend eternity in hell. Now, I know there are some theologies that will teach something different than what I'm saying to you, but I believe this church, and I know this preacher, stands in this position that Jesus, when he died, he died for the sins of the whole world. And that there are people who reject that, who choose to keep the burden of their sin on them. What I'm trying to get you to see is that Jesus forgave you when you were a sinner. He forgave you and still forgives you even if you never accept his forgiveness. He is literally standing there with arms open wide on the cross, bleeding, saying, I forgive you. That's a forgiveness I only understand enough to have faith in it. 
I don't have enough to understand it, to do it exactly the way he did it, but I just want you to know that's the kind of forgiveness we're talking about. There are stray sheep. He talks about them in verse 12. And I believe he's talking about believers in that particular context. He's talking about Christians in that context. And there are Christians who will go off into the desert. Do you know why they went there? Because they wanted to. The, the, the shepherd did not want them to go there. They went on their own. But what does the shepherd do? If you go to verse 12, 13, and 14, you'll see he leaves 99 sheep behind and goes hunting for the one. He didn't go and call up the sheep and say, now, now, would you like me to come after you, or are you okay where you are? No, he went hunting for him. He went going for him, not asking his permission, not saying, I forgive you, none of those things. He's pursuing him because he loves him. And the goal, even if there is, and you go back to verses 15 through 20 in that church discipline process, the goal is reconciliation, but there's a recognition. They may reject you. They may turn you away, but you're still pursuing them the entire time until they finally say, you know what, I'm done. I'm out. And you say, well, we're going to turn you over. And in fact, when it says that we turn them over uh, to, to be like a, a publican or a sinner, that is not to say that we'll never speak to them. We're, we're going to hi-hat them and snub them. That's not what he's talking about. I hope the way you're treating publicans and sinners, people that are going to hell, is you love them and you talk to them and you draw them to Jesus. I hope that's what you're doing. I believe that's the principle here. We're just going to say, we're just going to at least acknowledge they're not believers. So, we are then to live out our forgiveness, the forgiveness that Jesus has given to us. So what if they don't ask for my forgiveness? Forgive them anyway. What if they don't accept my forgiveness? Forgive them anyway. Now, there is going to be, and rightly so, if you forgive someone, like genuinely forgive them, and they won't accept your forgiveness, there is going to be some grief that's involved in that. Can you imagine what Jesus Christ feels about men and women who make active choices, even though they've heard the gospel, to not accept his truth and make steps on their own towards hell? What do you think Jesus feels about that? You think he's up in heaven saying, well, good, didn't want him anyway. No, he died for those people, he loved those people, he forgave those people, and they are choosing not to accept his forgiveness, and I can guarantee you, as much as I know my Savior, it hurts his heart, he is grieved over those people. And I don't think there's anything wrong with you and me to forgive someone, and they not accept it, and for us to be a little upset about it. I'm not talking about angry at them and mad, I'm talking about grieved in your heart. Man, I wish they'd accept my forgiveness. I wish they'd come back and be reconciled. You will have grief, but ultimately, as I've already said, forgiving, not forgiving, that's not an option for Christians. We forgive. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm not saying you do it perfectly, <laughs> because we don't do it perfectly, but we do have a perfect model, and we do know what we're supposed to do. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilly, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.